Hey everyone, thanks for joining us today. Right now, we are in a series called Strong, and we're building the kind of habits that open us up to God, and we're asking Him to make us spiritually stronger. We started this series last week, but today is when things get serious. Today is when we start the Strong Challenge. And I know that many of you already accepted this challenge, but if you're hearing about this for the first time, here's how you can participate. You've got three simple steps. Step one, you attend our worship service every week, either online or in person. Step two, you join a small group called a huddle, and you meet with that group once a week. And the first huddle meetings will happen sometime between now and next Sunday. In step three, you complete five challenge cards every week. And this deck of cards is a part of the strong packet that most of you should have received. Now, if you haven't gotten a packet or you'd like to get into a huddle, let us know. We'll be glad to help. Just go to plumcreek.org strong. So that is a general summary of the strong challenge, but now it's time to dive in. Every week during this series, we'll have a specific theme or focus that's going to help us connect with God. And our theme for this week is prayer. We want to learn how to pray strong. And I wish I could ask each one of you what you think about this theme. Some of you might be like, all right, let's do it. I am ready to pray. But then some of you are out there thinking, yeah, I know I'm supposed to pray, but honestly, I'm not excited about this. And if you're in that second group, I understand where you're coming from. Because prayer is a mysterious thing. And it seems like some people really get it, but then a lot of us really don't. But the truth is, there is one thing that we all have in common. You and I are hardwired for prayer. That is true no matter who you are. And I have a story that illustrates this very well. Over 20 years ago, I met a three-star general from Russia, and he served in the army of the Soviet Union. It sounds a little random, but it's true. And I hadn't thought about this guy for years until I was working on this sermon about prayer. The general's name was Boris Pyankov, and I heard him speak at our church. General Pyankov was kind of a big deal. He was appointed by Mikhail Gorbachev to be the Soviet Union's deputy defense minister. Now, if you are under 30 years old, you might have to look for Mikhail Gorbachev on Wikipedia, but a lot of us old folks remember him pretty well. At any rate, though, Boris Pyankov had an amazing story. When he was young, he went to one of the Soviet schools where he was taught to be an atheist. And that's the way things were in the Soviet Union. The government tried to eliminate all religious belief within their borders. Now, when Pyankov was 18, he joined the military, and the Soviet army did not allow Christians in their ranks. Pyankov had no problem with that. However, in 1987, General Pyankov was flying in an army helicopter with 14 other men, and during that flight, one of the helicopter's engines died, and they began to lose altitude quickly. And right then, a remarkable thing happened. This atheist general in the Soviet army spontaneously began to pray. He cried out, God, save me! In fact, Pyankov said everyone on board cried out to a God they did not believe in. And amazingly, that God answered their prayers, and the helicopter landed safely in the treetops. All the men on board survived, 
and many of them, including Pyankov, became Christians after that crash. So you see what I mean? You and I are hardwired for prayer because we've all been created with this need and this longing for God. He set eternity in each of our hearts and no amount of distraction or pleasure or busyness can fulfill that longing. And there will always be a point when we sense our need for God. And I wanted to start there because I don't want to talk about prayer like it's just some religious thing that religious people do. This is a need that we all have and great things will happen when we learn to pray strong. At the same time though, I won't pretend this will be easy. Even though we are hardwired for prayer, we also have a few built-in traits that make praying difficult. Things like impatience and doubt and short attention spans and and this tendency towards self-reliance. For most of us, prayer is a bit of a struggle. It can be intimidating or confusing. And if you're a church person, you may feel some level of guilt because you just don't pray enough. But we're not going to let those barriers keep us from growing in this area. Remember, this is called the strong challenge. If it wasn't, if it was easy, it wouldn't be a challenge. It reminds me of a quote from a guy named G.K. Chesterton. He said, the problem with Christianity is not that it has been tried and found wanting. No, it has been difficult and not tried. So let's see what God has for us here. Let's go to scripture and find out how to pray strong. And as we do this, I want to be upfront with you. I'm a preacher. I've been in ministry for a long time, but I also need to grow in this area. Now, do I pray? Sure. Do I pray every day? Absolutely. But is my prayer life everything it could be or should be? Well, on that question, I have to say, nope. I've got a lot of growing to do. And I especially see that when I look back at the early church in the book of Acts. When you read about those early Christians, they're not praying just a few minutes here or there and and then saying grace before a meal. No, they were devoted to prayer. And that makes sense because when they prayed, things happened. Here's a description in Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, that's what things looked like in the New Testament church. Heartfelt prayers, powerful prayers, the kind of prayers that make a difference. So how does that compare to our experience today? If somebody wrote a book about the church in our time, would they describe us in the same way? Are we devoted to prayer? Do we see God responding to our prayers in a powerful way? Now, if people would not describe us that way, then why not? Is it because prayer was only powerful in New Testament times? No, I don't believe that's it. I believe in our time, prayer is a vast, untapped resource. I believe that all too often, we've settled for this relationship with God that is monotonous and uninspiring. And that's not good for any follower of Jesus. It's not good for a world that is already skeptical about Christianity. But it's also not giving God the glory that he deserves. So let's take a step back. Let's look at a few principles about prayer that we see in the Bible. And the first thing I want to mention is very simple. In in one way, prayer isn't really complicated at all. Prayer is just 
an ongoing conversation with God. You just share your heart honestly and openly, and you also listen to what he has to say. Now, we are meant to have this conversation every day, throughout the day. It's not just this cry for help when your helicopter is about to crash. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul writes to a group of Christians, and he says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So this is God's will for us, to rejoice and to give thanks in both good times and bad times, and then also to pray continually. Other versions say, pray without ceasing or never stop praying. Okay, so how do you do that? In a normal day, I've usually got a lot on my plate, and I'm sure you do too. So what does it look like to pray without ceasing? Well, I heard another preacher explain it this way. He said, it is good to set aside specific times for prayer, but you can also pray while you do everything else that you do. For example, let's say you're out driving somewhere and somebody cuts you off. Your temper gets the best of you and you communicate your disapproval in several different ways. Now, the normal thing is just to stay angry for a while. But what if you talk to God about that? Sort of like, God, why do I do that? Why, why do I get so upset at such a little thing? Could you help me get better? Or let's say you're watching TV and you see some ridiculous celebrity acting ridiculous. There are so many responses we could have in that moment. But what if you just say a prayer for that person? God, you created that person. You love that person. And I pray that you would bless them. Now, when we think along those lines, it really is possible to pray continually. We can take an attitude of prayer into every situation. So that's the first principle. And here's the second one. Prayer is acknowledging that God is God and we desperately need him. If you're like me, you don't want to be a needy person. I sort of want to handle my problems myself. But that impulse can take us down a bad road. See, I'm not God. He's the creator, and I'm just the creature. He made the universe out of nothing, and I can't create a single speck of sand. Any power or strength or intelligence I have is a gift that came from God in the first place. And beyond all of that, I have this sin problem that I can't solve on my own. I have made bad decisions. I have willfully chosen to do the wrong thing. And there's nothing I can do on my own to erase that sin. It's only through the grace of God and the blood of Jesus that any of us can be washed clean and made forgiven. I have this desperate need for God, and so do you. And a big part of prayer is just admitting that fact. You are God, and I am not. Psalm 145 is an example of that kind of prayer. The writer of that psalm says, I will exalt you, my God and King, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. A prayer like that puts us in our place. And more importantly, that prayer puts God in his place. And this is where we have to start. We start with an awareness of who God is, and we give him his due. At the same time, though, this all-powerful creator wants to hear from you. 
Your prayers matter to God because you matter to God. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is 1 Peter 5, 7. In that verse, Peter says, Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, it is true that you are tiny and insignificant compared to God, but he still sees you. He cares about you. And that's one of the most amazing truths you could ever encounter in life. Now, there's one more principle I want to mention, and this is one of those areas that can get a little complicated. And here it is. We have a promise that God takes action through faithful prayer. So this principle tells us that prayer is not just a futile exercise. And we see this all over Scripture. One example is James chapter 5, verse 16, which says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Now, this is a great promise, and many of us have experienced this in our own lives. In fact, I want you to think about this. Have you ever seen an answer to prayer? I know I've seen that in my life. Earlier in that same chapter, James says, If you need to be healed in some way, go to the elders of the church and ask them to pray over you. Now, I've only done that one time in my life. Actually, Hannah and I did that together. We went to the elders, and these were men of real faith. And you know what? After they prayed for us, God showed up, and those prayers were answered. A real living faith makes a huge difference. But do you see where this gets complicated? From our point of view, the pattern seems a little unpredictable. Because you have one righteous person over here who prays really hard for something, and then boom, it happens. Yay, God. But there's a different righteous person over here who prays just as hard and just as sincerely, but they don't get what they asked for. So what's up with that? Well, we're always going to wish we could figure out some reliable formula when it comes to prayer. We want the secret code. We want to get results. But what did we say a minute ago? When we pray, we need to let God be God. He is the only one who sees the big picture. We get very focused on our pain and our suffering in this moment. But God sees way, way beyond that. For instance, when Jesus walked this earth, how many times did he heal someone? He did that a lot, right? But there's something we don't always think about. Every time Jesus healed someone, there were thousands of others nearby who did not get healed. And why is that? Well, in every situation, God knows exactly what needs to happen. In some cases, he will answer your prayer and give you the healing that you asked for. In other cases, though, God might say no. And why in the world would he say no? Well, I think of it this way. It is God's will for all of us to be healed, but he can do that in one of two ways temporarily or permanently. Remember all those people Jesus healed? Where are they now? They died, didn't they? So a temporary healing is great, but there's also a bigger picture. For example, if a man gets sick and that sickness leads him to admit his desperate need for God, and he goes on to find forgiveness and salvation and eternal life through Jesus, isn't that better in the long run? Isn't it Far, far better to be permanently healed? See, God has this vantage point that we just don't have. The question for us is, are we going to trust Him? 
Now, trusting God doesn't mean that we have to understand Him. It just means that we rest in the knowledge that God is great and God is good. We can trust that He is constantly working with our best interests in mind. And believing that will have a big impact on how we pray. On the one hand, there are some things that God will do no matter what. And in those cases, it doesn't matter what you pray or even if you pray at all. He's just going to do what He's going to do. And really, that shouldn't be surprising because after all, He's God. But here's what is surprising. There are some things that God will not do unless we pray. That's the promise of James 5.16. That's also what Jesus taught. And we have to believe that God has His own good reasons for operating that way. We don't need to worry about His side of things. We just need to take care of our side. And our side is to keep this conversation going, praying in faith and asking God to act. Billy Graham said, Heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask. What might God have done if only we had prayed for it? It may be good that we don't know. But listen, I don't want us to walk away from this sermon feeling guilty about the fact that we don't pray enough. But I do want us to walk away inspired to be more devoted to prayer. And even though we've looked at these foundational principles, some of us may still feel apprehensive about praying. Like, what do I say exactly? And how do I say it? Well, if that's you, you're in good company. The disciples of Jesus were right where you are. At one point, they came to Jesus and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. In other words, we need some help here. Uh, We're not sure we're getting this right. And that's when Jesus shared the most famous prayer of all time, the Lord's Prayer. I'm sure many of you have said these words literally hundreds of times in your life. And it's important to know why Jesus taught this prayer. Now, there's nothing wrong with repeating the Lord's Prayer verbatim. In fact, that can be a very good thing if you're speaking from the heart. But the main intention of Jesus here was not to put words in your mouth. The Lord's Prayer gives us a pattern for how to pray. So let's take a minute to break this down, one section at a time. This prayer is found in Matthew chapter 6, and you can divide it into three main categories. Part 1 falls under the heading of adoration, and this is the introduction. This is where we say, God, we adore you. You deserve all of our worship. And we read this in verse 9. Jesus said, This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now, we usually take this introduction for granted, but it is very significant that Jesus tells us to relate to God as our Father. You don't see that very much back in the Old Testament. Most of the prayers in the book of Psalms are addressed to the Lord God or the Most High or the Almighty. But it's very personal to think of God as a Father. A good dad is someone who loves you and takes care of you and provides what you need. A good dad does not give up on a son or a daughter when they make bad decisions or when they go down the wrong path. And for all of us who had a good father like that, this concept of God is very helpful. But what if your dad blew it? What if he did a terrible job of expressing his love? What if he abandoned you or mistreated you? If that's your story, I could understand you struggling with this idea of God as a father. 
you might say, well, I never got a picture of what a good dad should be. Now, I want to be careful here because that was not my experience, but I do want to give you a suggestion. Maybe you could think about all the things you wish your dad would have done differently. Maybe you do know what a good father is because you know exactly what a good father does not do. And maybe you could picture God as someone who looks at you with love in his eyes because that's exactly what he's doing right now. And you can go to him at any time knowing that he's never loved you more than he does right now. And he will never love you any more than he does right now. And when you are confident of that truth, it's much easier to adore God, to say, hallowed be your name. I promise to treat your name with reverence and respect. So that's one part of the Lord's Prayer. And the second part is about surrender. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in this section, you're saying, Lord, you know what's best. I trust in you. And I mentioned this earlier. We don't have to understand him. We just need to trust him. And Jesus gave us the perfect example of this right before the crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, I don't want to go through this pain. And if there's any other way, please take this cup away from me. In the end, though, Jesus said, I'll do whatever you want. Not my will, but thine. So that's part two. And the final section of the Lord's Prayer is about dependence. Verses 11 through 13. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And this is where we say, Lord, I am counting on you to meet all of my needs, food, forgiveness, or whatever. And this is also where we share what's on our heart. This is where we bring our requests to God. And again, he wants to hear from you. He wants to hear your requests because he is a good father and he wants good things for you. Your prayers matter to God because you matter to God. So that's a quick look at the Lord's Prayer. That's a pattern for all of us to follow. But instead of just talking about this, I want to practice it together. I'm going to pray this prayer in my own words, and you can pray along with me. And this might seem a little strange at first, but remember, this is just a conversation. So let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We honor you as holy. You are set apart. You're so far above us in so many ways. Your goodness is so much greater than ours. Your power, your knowledge, your love, no one compares with you. You are holy, Lord. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we recognize that only your will is perfect. Our will gets clouded by selfishness. Our will is biased. Our will is based on misinformation. So we surrender to you. Whatever it is that you call us to today, I pray that you will help us follow you. Some of us are making big decisions right now, Lord, and we lay those decisions at your feet. We ask that you would guide us and give us wisdom. We pray that your will is done. Give us today our daily bread. Lord, you are the great provider. 
It's not the strength in our hands or the sharpness of our minds that produces what we need. Every good gift comes from you. So Lord, we bring our requests to you. We pray for those who are suffering today. We specifically think of those who are struggling as a result of this pandemic. Please provide the help and the healing that they need, whether that's physical or emotional or otherwise. I also pray for our country that you would heal the division that we're seeing right now. I pray for real solutions to our very real problems. I also pray for our schools, for the ones that have already started and the ones that will start tomorrow. I lift up the teachers and the students and the parents because everybody's going to need your help to get through this school year. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, you know that we are inclined to run after things that don't please you. Lord, how many times have we chosen sin over you? But we thank you so much for Jesus who has made forgiveness possible. We are totally dependent on you for forgiveness. And I pray for anyone listening who has not yet put their faith in Jesus. I pray that your spirit will lead them to salvation. I pray that they will experience your grace. And then, Lord, help us show that grace to others. Help us have a heart to forgive them the same way that you've forgiven us. For yours, Lord, is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, prayer is such a good practice on so many levels. One of the remarkable things about prayer is that it changes you and it changes me. It's, it's one of the avenues where God provides the peace and the joy and the hope that we've talked about lately. So let's go into this week with a game plan. This is the first main focus of our, our strong challenge. And here's my challenge for you right now. From wherever you are today, take a step deeper in prayer. And we're not leaving you to go figure this out by yourself. We've put a lot of tools into your hands. I've talked about those challenge cards in your strong packet. Between now and next Sunday, pull out the five cards related to prayer. And over the next seven days, the goal is to complete each one of those five challenges. And I want you to know this, this won't take a lot of time. This won't even be difficult, to be honest, but this will be a step deeper in prayer. Now, if you're in a huddle, talk through this in your group. Encourage each other to take these steps. And if you haven't made it into a huddle for whatever reason, I still encourage you to complete these challenges. And I know we're talking about a deck of cards here, but this is not a game. This is a chance to go to our Heavenly Father and let Him give us all the strength we could ever need. Lord, I thank you for this time. You are great and you are good. And I, I ask that you would help us grow in this practice of prayer. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.